Hi, I'm Holly. And I am Danielle. And this is the Spooky Hour. Welcome to episode 14. 14. I lost count for a second. But yeah, 14. <laughs> We've been doing this for at least 14 weeks. It's probably more like 16 or 17. Yeah. Because we took some time off. Yeah. But that's exciting. Yeah. We're like halfway through a pregnancy or something like that. <laughs> We were just talking about abortions. This is probably why she said it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good God. I'm not going to give you any backstory. It's just that's what we were talking about. No, yeah. No, that's it. Mm -hmm. No backstory. backstory. There's too many arguments about abortions. We're just going to say the word and leave it at Mm -hmm. that. That's it. (laughs) We're trying to find things to talk about in our little banter portion that we do here, and it's becoming harder and harder. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I got my oil changed today. What? that was exciting i got to talk to people that weren't like my mom or my boy my boyfriend yeah that was fun my mom actually called me today she did she, she called me that's un- unheard of she doesn't call anybody i i didn't know she knew how to use her phone because she never answers it <laughs> i'm always having to call my dad and be like can i speak to mom please <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny i had something creepy happen today like really creepy. oh yes she did do tell so i was i work in Stuart's office now uh, just for something quieter and he works in the living room so it was in the office we have, we're in a townhome as i said so it's like on the second floor but it's kind of like the third floor from my basement because my basement we have a walk out to our backyard so it's basically like three floors up from my She's backyard real high up yeah <laughs> and uh <laughs> we're right behind us this is a, a river like a ravine and i can usually hear people hanging out there because we're right beside a path and people just the hang hoodlums. out yeah the hoodlums of this town that i live in and I heard, I heard kids, so I was, like, just curious on what the hell was going on out there, because it was really fucking loud. So I went and looked out the window, and as I was looking out the window, I see this bird fly up from, like, the bottom. Like, I don't know if it came off, like, a low tree branch or, like, from, like, our walkout deck or something. And it, like, flew up and just smoked the goddamn window. <laughs> Scared the living crap. Did it leave a mark? That's always the funniest, the feather marks. No, it didn't. Do you remember when we went I mean, to school? I mean, saddest. Remember when we went to uh, school and we found that window with the bird mark and it smoked it? Oh my god, yeah, on, like, the second or third floor. Yeah. Yeah. That was funny. But yeah, so that, that was, was my funny. day. It scared the living crap I told Danielle, though, there's, like, at least five horror movies where that happens in it, where they, like, look out a window and a bird flies into it yeah. or some shit. And the weird thing is there was no kids. There was no one there. She was literally in a horror movie for, like, five minutes yeah. right there. So I don't know if my neighbors just had, like, their grandkids over and there was hell loud or something, but creepy. Either way, it was spooky. Um, I have no exciting news to report. Um, We did want to sort of touch upon, uh, we posted about it, what happened in Nova Scotia. Absolutely awful. I think the total is... 23 lives lost now um including the shooter himself and uh unfortunately there is another shooting happening right now um the city of halifax there's like a little um township right outside halifax they're on lockdown right now so i'm not sure what's happening out on the east coast but uh yeah we're, we're feeling for you guys stay strong yeah uh this is gonna come out monday so i can't say stay where you are but do what they tell you stay safe we hope you guys are doing okay we know we have some listeners out there we heart you yeah my cousin and her family live out there anwin and her family yeah we love you and she sent us a little message so i sent her some hearts back yeah i messaged her i just wanted to make sure her and her family were safe so our hearts are out to everyone in nova scotia because that whole thing is absolutely it's awful, awful and it's really really uncommon not only in canada but like specifically out there yeah nothing happens out east nothing no. like they're the most chill people of the country like you want to see nice canadians go to the east coast yeah, don't literally. come to toronto yeah <laughs> toronto is vile just go to the east yeah. coast so our hearts are with those people uh 
we hope they're doing okay and staying strong and all that. It's a bummer that we ha- the only thing we have to report is some bad news, but yeah, that's what we're here for. That's yeah, <laughs> we're just a bad news so podcast. Guess, Sorry. Um, to make matters worse, I'm gonna go talk about someone who went missing. Oh, oh, <laughs> um, great. Yeah, sorry, I'm such a bummer on this podcast, you guys. <laughs> but you're bringing us. I was gonna say joy and light, but not really. But interesting facts. I'm making you think. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Thinking is hard these days for me. Fuck, I know. The, <laughs> people have been like emailing me at work asking me questions, and I literally just like forward it off to people because I'm just like I can't. I don't have the capacity to to think about this right now. I don't have the capacity to care anymore. It's really hard, and especially, um, you know, I don't want to say too much, but companies are trying to find measures to stay open, and. I understand why they're trying to stay open. Definitely. I do, but it's at the point where people would be making more money on EI now than they are at work. And it's, I don't know, it's, what did you say earlier? 10 pounds of shit in one a one pound, pound bag? Yep. That's a, a a Brian quote. That's my dad's quote. That, I do know what? I knew it and I almost said it, but <laughs> I didn't. I don't know what he got it from. I know he got it from somewhere, but he always says it. So now I always say it. And it works. That's exactly what we're dealing with right now. Yep. Um, so let's add more shit to that bag and talk about some not-so-happy things. I'm ready. Uh, today I'm going to talk about the disappearance of Dorothy Scott. Uh, this one's an interesting one. Uh, there's a lot of weird little twists. Um, unfortunately, she was not found alive. Uh, she was murdered, but they do not know who her killer is. Oh, so it's unsolved? Yes, we do love a good unsolved case. Dun, dun, um, dun. <laughs> So, Dorothy was last seen alive on May 28th, 1980 in Anaheim, California. Uh, She's a single mother of a four-year-old boy. She lived with her aunt, and she was just 20 minutes away from her parents' house. So, they were a really, like, tight-knit family. Her parents actually also watched her son while she worked. Uh, She worked two jobs, I think. So, they had her son pretty much every day of the week. Uh, So, they were a really close-knit family, really supportive family. Uh, Dorothy's life was described as being, quote, as dull as a phone book, which, same. I was going to say literally that the definition of my life. Mood. Yeah. <laughs> um, she was a devout Christian, and she didn't drink or do drugs, and she spent most of her free time playing with her son. Oh, good for her. She, sounds like a, she sounded like a lovely mom. I know. Uh, f- friends were quoted as saying, like, she's not the type to attract danger. She just went about her day. She was a fucking saint, apparently. She was just this lovely lady um everyone said she was super nice she was the most giving and actually in her last moment she sort of uh showed how giving and how thoughtful she was and i'm gonna get to that uh she worked hard and she relied only on herself for finances um she sounded like a pretty badass single mama like she did have support from her family but she was very like independent also uh her family willingly helped her it wasn't like a i'm begging for help kind of thing yeah she did what Um, she did to support her kid exactly um so she worked two jobs one was a secretary at swinger psych shop which sold psychedelic beads lava lamps and like all sorts of like groovy shit from like the 70s i didn't think sounds like an awesome i sorry i did not think that's what the shop was gonna be i thought it was gonna be like some like sex shop or something but i'm I'm still down for it but that's when i when i saw psych i thought crystal balls and stuff and i was like whoa where is this going but no it's uh she just really liked that 70s show or something i mean same (laughs) same so her father was a joint owner of the store so he didn't have full ownership he was a partial owner um this is going to be mentioned later on there's a reason i'm telling you that um her second job was at custom john's head shop which was located right next door to her first job um for those who don't know i had to google it a head shop is basically a smoke shop they smell like they smell they sell like tobacco and weed products like pipes cigars and stuff like that 
I didn't know what the fuck it was. <laughs> but now we do. Her father, Jacob Scott, told the police that she was, like, dating around, but she didn't have a steady boyfriend. So she was, you know, having the time of her life, seeing a couple guys, going for dinner, hopefully getting her dinner paid for. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, will also be mentioned later. Uh, so now that I've told you how lovely this poor girl was, I'm going to talk about the day of her disappearance. Uh, in the months leading up to her death, she started receiving, like, these creepy phone calls uh all hours of the day and she told friends uh and family that she believed a man was stalking her um he would call her both at home and at work and he would uh start off saying like uh he had this undying love for her she was everything to him but then in the next second he'd be like i'm gonna fucking rip your skin off i'm gonna kill you so he was very obviously disturbed he sounds Um, like an absolute psychopath yeah (laughs) it's not a very nice dude he would even tell her things about her daily routine so it was proof that he was stalking her uh dorothy said that she recognized the voice but she couldn't quite place it so something that she'd heard before uh one call in particular horrified her the caller told her he was gonna get her alone and quote cut her into bits so no one could ever find her uh, another evening, he told her to go outside, and he had left a present for her. Uh, when she got out there, she found a single dead rose on her car. Because that's not morbid or anything. Yeah, really, really creepy. This almost sounds like it's from a movie or something. Like, it doesn't sound real. And, like, um, the cops one... weren't looking into this? Like, no one decided to call them and be like, yo, this is um, a thing? <laughs> I feel like they had to have. I didn't see anything mentioned about it. Okay. But a lot of the time, like, if you think about it, you report this kind of shit to the police, and they're just like, There's not... be careful. Yeah, <laughs> we can't <laughs> you know do I mean? anything. Yeah. So I feel like if she did report it to the police, probably nothing came of it. I feel like if they could do something, then they probably wouldn't, she wouldn't have gone missing. So we'll just put that out there. (laughs) Another episode where we should talk the police. (laughs) (laughs) The usual. So just one week before her disappearance, Dorothy began taking self-defense lessons and she actually told her friends that she was considering purchasing a handgun. So she was very, very scared. Uh, She was preparing to protect herself, doing the right thing as far as i'm concerned i was gonna say if you're like as like a woman like if you're that terrified that you're taking like self-defense classes and willing to buy like a a weapon to keep yourself safe then there's something wrong yeah like people need to take this seriously and i feel like um again going back to the did she report it thing if she had gotten to that point again i feel like if she did report it they probably did nothing because she's obviously taking matters into her own hand at this point yeah exactly. Um, she's got a son to protect you know what i mean yeah exactly do the damn thing uh, no one knew who, uh, for sure who the stalker and alleged murderer was, but there's one main theory. It was a man named Mike Butler, who was once the owner of Custom John's Head Shop, mm. where Dorothy worked. Uh, allegedly, he was obsessed with her. Uh, he lived alone in the mountains, and he was rumored to be unstable and actually involved in cult activity. Uh, you, sir, should check out the spooky hour. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we get along really well. Yeah, really. Uh, dorothy's son who's obviously now an adult truly believes this man is his mother's killer there's no real evidence to substantiate why did i pick that word to say when i have a lisp (laughs) (laughs) there's there's no evidence to support his theory but uh butler would have known dorothy's schedule because of her work so like you know if she's working nine to five at this job and then five to ten at the other he knows you know she's getting ready at eight he knows her schedule to an extent so he basically like fits the profile of he's he's fitting it pretty well Uh, apparently his sister also worked with them and uh he was she was really close with dorothy and he would like try to ask her things about dorothy so it was pretty clear that he at least had a 
creepy crush on her. Yeah. Um, while this is totally a valid suspect, like he's already fit in the bill, I have a theory that it could be literally any of the men that she was seeing at this time. Um, she could have offended the wrong person asking to like just be friends or saying, I'm not interested in you. Um, that's all it takes really. Like, especially if someone has like stalker tendencies to begin with and they think, oh my gosh, I'm in love with this person. We're in a relationship, we're dating. And then she's like, mm, no, that could set them off too. Yeah. So kind of like an obsessive thing. Uh, I would believe, I think usually stalkers at least have some sort of contact with the person they're stalking beforehand. Like it's not usually a complete stranger they're stalking. So I think either theory works here because if she had went on like three dates with someone, you know, you start to get to know them a little bit. There's just a lot of creepy people in her story, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. So her, her son really thinks it's the owner of that shop. Uh, it could be. We don't know still. Yeah, we're not saying it is, but you never know. <laughs> literally we will never know we're just put out all the, all the evidence and you make your own decision it's so hard because like her dad said she was dating around like she was interacting with so many strange men and like you just don't know yeah um on the night of her disappearance she was at a work meeting she noticed her co-worker conrad bostrin uh didn't look well and he had a red swollen mark on his arm she offered to take him to the hospital and her other co-worker pam head offered to come with them uh, as if this case wasn't weird enough it turned out that conrad had been bitten by a deadly black widow spider oh my god that's terrifying <laughs> and he's lucky that she noticed yeah and uh, this is what i was saying earlier all of her friends said this was just like her to like be concerned and go out of her way to take her friend to the hospital in like an emergency situation uh so on her last day of the year, she did everything to get her friend to the hospital. Um, that being said, on the way to the hospital, Dorothy, Pam, and Conrad made a quick stop to Dorothy's parents' house to check on her son and let her parents know where she was going. Um, and then she also changed her black scarf into a red one. Um, I'd be pretty pissed if I got bit by a black widow spider and she's like, hold on, I just gotta change my scarf. Yeah, like, hold just on. give me a second. I gotta look good um, first, please. Hold so, on. So bless her heart for helping him, but what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah so once conrad was uh discharged they were waiting in line for a prescription while dorothy went to get her car from the parking lot uh they were waiting for her to meet them at like the front entrance and they waited for like 10 20 minutes before they saw her car which is like you know i know sometimes hospital parking lots are hard to navigate but yeah. that's you know a little bit weird um when they finally saw her car it sped right by them with like the headlights and the high beams on so that they couldn't see who was driving uh, they tried to wave her down, but the car just passed by and made a quick turn out of the driveway before it disappeared. Their first thought was that Dorothy must have had an emergency with her son, uh, so she just took off with no explanation. And at this time, there was no cell phones, so they fucking waited for two hours to see if she would come back. Um, what year is this? Oh, 89, Oh, okay. Fuck, I forget. A while, so. <laughs> a while. It's up there somewhere. <laughs> but, like, she wouldn't just speed off. I mean, like, she's so caring. The fact that she's like, your arm's red, let's go to the hospital. Would never be my first guess is that, oh, something must have happened and she left. My first guess would be that someone shoved her in her car and drove off with her. Yeah. Like, but then she just left without explanation. Like, it doesn't... <laughs> these people weren't very bright. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. Um, Conrad and Pam phoned Dorothy's parents' house to see if she'd, uh, gone there to check in with her son. Uh, they said they hadn't seen her, so they called the police, and initially the police didn't seem worried. Surprise. Um, at approximately 4.30 a.m. on May 29th, so the following morning slash same night, depending on how you view it, yeah. her white 1973 Toyota station wagon was found burning in an alley 10 miles away from Santa Ana. The discovery only deepened the mystery and escalated the concern for Dorothy's well-being. Uh, so 
no sign of her, no footprints, no nothing, just a burning car in an alley. Uh, that's when anonymous phone calls to Dorothy's parents' house started. Her mother received a phone call that went like this, and this is a direct quote. Are you related to Dorothy Scott? The caller asked. Yes, Vera answered. I've got her, the male voice said. Then he hung up. Uh, that sent, like, shivers up my spine. Could you imagine receiving that phone call? That is it gets heartbreaking. Worse. Oh, fuck, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I told her it wasn't going to be as dark as last week because she's like, I'm traumatized. Um, but it's still pretty dark this episode. Yeah, like, uh, I feel like every murder is dark in its own way, but last week just ruined me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just found it interesting from a psychological perspective. Oh, definitely. But I'm just, <laughs> I'm emotional. It's hard to digest, though, for sure. I had a couple comments uh, specifically about the two boys who took the boy from the london oh the ball or whatever um a lot of people have a hard time with that case so i'm glad i sort of toned it down and didn't say a whole lot of what happened it's just mind-boggling that they were 10 years old that's what fucks me like that's just screwing me up it's disturbing it is and that's kind of why i did the episode like that was to sort of disturb people a little bit but also make them think it worked congratulations you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) so yeah she uh, immediately called the police and the police told them not to talk to reporters at all while they were uh putting together a search however about a week later her father jacob ran out of patience and called the santa Ana register which is a local paper and they ran the story about dorothy's disappearance which i feel like after a week if the police aren't really giving you anything concrete that they're like looking for your daughter I probably would also lose my patience. Especially as, like, a parent, you would, like, want to do anything you can. And if that's the route that you go, then that's the route you go to bring your kid back, right? Absolutely. Um, The day the story came out, Pat Riley, who was an editor for the newspaper, received another call that went like this. Again, a direct quote. Quote, I killed her, the caller told Riley. I killed Dorothy Scott. She was my love. I caught her cheating with another man. She denied having someone else. I killed her. Uh, the caller also mentioned Dorothy wearing a red scarf, uh, further convincing Riley that he was speaking to the killer. Um, the caller also mentioned that Conrad had suffered a spider bite. So please tell me that this asshole, my dad yelled at me for swearing, so I'm trying not to swear, but sorry, dad. Oh, I've sworn so much already. Sorry, dad. <laughs> sorry, dad. But, um, <laughs> uh, so this guy thought she was cheating on him because she took her friend to the hospital for a freaking spider bite. And killed her? Who knows? Maybe he thought she was cheating because she was dating around. Uh, Maybe he saw her on a date with another dude. Like, it could be, like, he could have been anywhere watching her. And something set him off. Oh, my God. I hate... Yeah, that's heartbreaking. Um, So, the calls continued. Almost every Wednesday, when Vera, who's Dorothy's mom, was home alone, more calls came in, all saying the same thing. Uh, More direct quotes. Quote, is Dorothy there? quote i've got her quote i've killed her so he had sort of key phrases that he would just call say hang up call say hang up so they can't trace it that was literally my next sentence (laughs) you're so good at this (laughs) brainwaves man brain uh yeah so the police tried their darndest to trace it but obviously the the killer was smart and knew the time length and knew when to hang up uh vera lived through this for four years four Four years. years this dude called her house after her daughter's disappearance and they, the police weren't able to do jack shit about it. Sorry, Dad. Because he was smart enough. Um, I wonder if in modern times they could trace it more quickly now. Yeah, I would think so. And that would, I don't know. But in that time, he knew whatever the time span was and he, he knew what he was doing. And I guess they don't really have any evidence. All they had was that burning car. Yeah, that's it so far. Crazy. Um, four, 
four years later, on August 6th, 1984, so uh, she went missing in 1980. You asked earlier. It was not 88. I'm bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> on August 6th, 1984, a construction worker discovered human remains in the brush on Canyon Road in Santa Ana. Only partial remains were located. They included a skull, a pelvis, two thigh bones, and an arm. Uh, a turquoise ring and a watch were also located. Uh, are you ready for this one? I don't think you are. I'm not. The watch had stopped working on May 29th, 1980 at 12.30 a.m. They were identified as Dorothy remains. Uh, her watch stopped working on the date and time of her death. Oh, that gave me shivers. Yeah, what fucking the- weird. That is so uh, weird. That sort of, this is morbid, this sort of makes me think that water is involved in some way, because why would her watch just stop working? Yeah. Like, maybe he, like, put her in water and then the watch stopped working? I don't know. That was my thought. Something Um, played part to where it was like, we need to make it clear on when she passed away. Maybe it could help with evidence. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, so far it hasn't, unfortunately, but maybe, you know, if they reopen the case in modern times, it could lead to something uh like, like i said this is the 80s like there's very little forensic anything back that, g- then. that gave me goosebumpies gave you the heebie-jeebies yeah i didn't like that that that's so um, creepy i'm about to give you more heebie-jeebies um okay. and i apologize in advance the remains of a dog were also placed on top of dorothy's body <gasps> i know it's oh, that no. meme it's that meme. Oh my god, they killed the kid. They killed the husband. They killed the dog! Like, <laughs> I can't handle this. Um, it's believed the killer did this to throw off the police dogs and confuse the scent. Go. Because he would smell the dead dog, which is not dead human remains, so it wouldn't identify human remains in that location. Go F yourself. That's terrible. Oh my god. Yeah. Really sad. Didn't like that at all. Had no. to mention it, though. Um... <laughs> After the announcement of the discovery of Dorothy's body, um, Vera received another call. Quote, is Dorothy home, he asked. Um, Again, a direct quote. The calls continued months and years after the disappearance. Uh, Dorothy's parents had been subjected to so much fucking trauma at this point. Uh, Finally, uh, after over four years of this, so the, the calls continued after the body was found as well. This douche. Jacob was home unexpectedly one day and answered the phone when jacob answered the caller immediately hung up would jacob have recognized the voice that's her son right if uh jacob's the the her father oh her father okay um her father who worked next door to butler so would he have recognized the voice interesting they worked next door for several years uh they had several conversations together they were friendly uh it doesn't say that they were like friends like would hang out together and have dinner together but were like neighborly yeah but for someone you probably see at least five times a week you're gonna know their voice yep uh so after that the calls stopped and they never got another call since oh my god i would freak sadly jacob scott passed away in 1994 and vera followed in 2002 without ever knowing who murdered their beloved daughter uh they never got any justice in this case uh however her son who is named sean remains dedicated to finding the truth about who murdered his mother uh he's still an advocate that mike butler did it uh and in his mind there's absolutely no doubt and he's still fighting for justice to get him put away to this day Good for him. At least, like, even if the guy didn't do it, but at least, like, her son is, at like, I want... rule him out. Like, did they yeah. even try to rule him out? He was never listed as a suspect. I specifically Googled if there were any suspects in this case, and there were none. Wow. So he was never even considered a, uh, a suspect. It seems like they didn't try too freaking hard on this case, either. No. This poor girl. I would love to see a case like this reopened. Yeah. Actually, on that note, I saw the funniest post. I can't remember which podcast posted it. Um, If one of you guys did it, 
uh, message me and I will give you credit for this post. But it was like, uh, the FBI should give one unsolved case to every true crime nerd stuck in quarantine right now. Oh my God. Because we will yes. put so many people in fucking prison. That'd be perfect. Holly <laughs> could do like three. She's really good at this. I am. I could do like th- three a day. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. But that's so sad that they didn't even, like, her parents didn't even get closure and they went no, through hell really for four sad. years. Like, not only did they lose their kid, they had, like, those phone calls for four years. For, for four years after they found the body, you know what I mean? Like, the constant reminder, like, you try to move past things when you lose someone and, like, every day someone's calling me, like, she's dead. Like, that's fucking awful. Yeah. What's wrong with you? What is I sound like I'm that? joking again. I have this really bad thing where I'm just, I sound naturally sarcastic. I'm not joking right now. Like, yeah. it's gross. But yeah, that was uh, my case. I went back to a more simple, sort of easy to digest, well, uh, easier to digest yeah. case. Unsolved cases are hard because it's like sad. They're a little bit hard for me to like write about too because I always want to write like the end, but it's just kind of like a. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Like, it's not like I'm saying like every case is sad and horrific but like unsolved ones like there's no closure so it kind of yeah. like really tugs at your heartstrings a little bit yeah for sure you feel more for the family and like everyone involved i feel for her parents her poor parents yeah but uh should we get into some spookies Let's get spooky okay so i'm gonna talk about annabelle the haunted doll oh the dolly yeah so yeah so that way too excitedly yeah you're like yes let's get haunted <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it's the creepy doll from the Annabelle movie. Yes. Um, so it's a real life story. Um, so Annabelle isn't like the creepy doll that's depicted. It's not like a porcelain doll. It's actually like a Raggedy Ann doll, which mm-hmm. I had this doll when I was did a you? kid. I did. So- I had, I was just telling Carl the other day, bless my grandmother's heart. She bought us all these like super expensive porcelain dolls. Oh God. Yeah. I'm not, we kept them out for maybe like two years and I was like, I'm sick of this shit. I can't do it. <laughs> I had put like- them in the in the basement just throw them down there yeah no they're they were in the bottom of our closet for probably like 15 years and we finally were just like nah we're throwing them out yeah. fucking creepy ass shit my mom collected them and i had about five or six porcelain dolls i had used to have like this huge desk thing in my room Didn't and you i turned them around yeah i had them turned around because like <laughs> they were freaking creepy they were terrifying. i swear to they're all designed to look like their eyes are moving at all times all the time yeah like every time i look at one i swear it like just looked away from me yep. like they're so fucking creepy <laughs> sorry annabelle <laughs> yeah so she, as i like she's not those creepy ass porcelain dolls she's a creepy raggedy ant doll which is a special kind of creepy mm-hmm. i think i might maybe i'll post a picture of my baby photos so i ha- i found two but you can't see raggedy ant's face but i'm like i was obsessed with this doll like i loved this doll. of course you were yeah so emma's actually <laughs> looking for the picture of me with the doll so we'll, we'll try and find it and danielle was the cutest little munchkin of a nugget i can't wait to find this and post it so everyone can see how cute she was honestly i had really 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 blonde hair was what thank you was (laughs) not anymore i was waiting for you to get offended there (laughs) takes a lot to offend me sorry i know (laughs) so i'm just gonna i'm not gonna talk about the movie obviously but i'm gonna talk about the origin of the Mm -hmm. real annabelle doll so this doll was given as a gift to a girl named donna and it was given to her by her mom in the 1970s um it was given to her as like a birthday gift or something um so donna was a student nurse at the time and living with her friend angie Uh, according to donna the weird experiences with the doll began to happen like pretty quickly after she got it um but at first the doll would just like make weird like small movements like you wouldn't really expect it to be haunted um like if you like it was 
it would be end up on the floor oh so you start to think like oh it just fell over yeah like, like if it was like sitting on the couch and you like got up and then you turn around and it was on the floor it's kind of like the motion of you getting up made it fall yeah sort of thing so can we, i ask does it say where they got it from like was this a used doll before did she buy it like fresh out of a box uh no so it's it came from like um like a secondhand store okay i knew it yeah <laughs> It's just, it's always those weird like second things. what's happening things. in Mattel. <laughs> right. But there is, um, so I'll get into it, but Donna did have a medium come in and explain okay. why this doll is haunted. So that's kind of like the theory behind it. But again, like, so nothing weird, but weird enough to be like, why is it doing this? So just do like the small movements, like fall off the couch. Um, but then it started to get more f- like frequent and unexplainable. Like the doll would go from like the couch and they would like leave and come back into the house, into the apartment. And it would be like in Donna's bedroom like totally different rooms so like creepy like any doll there's so many creepy dolls that are like supposed to be haunted out there i don't like toys in general i used to like uh one of my first quote paranormal experiences as a kid involved like a mirror in my room and we used to have a shit ton of stuffed animals everything from like uh donald duck to like just random dolls and i used to see them like turn and look into this mirror and then like there would be like I don't know. It's I sound insane right now, but there was like a like a white mist through the mirror. Ew. I know. And I never saw it as like an adult or anything. This yeah. was only when from the time I was like maybe five to like we threw out the mirror. But I will not keep dolls in my room now because of that. No. They're too creepy. There's too much creepy stuff behind them and just Yeah. Nope. Nope, nope. Um so apparently Donna came home one day and found the doll to have like blood on the back of its hands which looked like blood yeah and like drops on its like chest and it was like unexplained like they didn't know if it was blood it looked like blood it was on the back of its hand yeah the fucking doll threw some hands like it just like bitch slapped somebody (laughs) and made them bleed cut up her knuckles right (laughs) like it's so creepy and she got into street fights when no one was home right like it's just i don't know it's it's so creepy the first rule about doll fight club right (laughs) i can't with you i can't (laughs) i'm gonna roll um so the two girls donna and angie ended up having like a medium come into their apartment and the medium had said that the apartment complex um they live in was built on like a big empty field and a young girl she was like seven at the time um was actually found dead in that field just years before yeah just like years before the um the apartment was built um of course that's always a little creepy girl that's so creepy yeah so i couldn't find much about her death like there's like literally no history on it just it's what this medium said mm-hmm. um so when the doll was brought into the apartment the little girl's spirit like kind of like hopped into it and like was like this is great i'm take it for a test drive um and this little girl was apparently named annabelle so that's why that's how they got oh. the name yeah so they named her annabelle um so don and angie were such gems that they felt bad for like the little girl's spirit and mm-hmm. gave her permission to stay in the home because they didn't want her to be alone no not i rule number one with haunted stuff <laughs> never Don't give her permission that. to leave it like live in your house yeah that's no. like the opposite of what they tell you to do yeah like it, God. That, that's just the beginning like you think it's gonna like just it's fine we'll let her live here that's it <laughs> you're not gonna pay rent it's nothing fine. bad could possibly happen no um so angie had a boyfriend named lou he was always at the apartment and knew about the doll and like the weird shit that was going on but he hated this doll and said it was evil i mean good for you lou um, he knew. yeah and he voiced that opinion a lot so lou actually started having nightmares where annabelle would like climb in the bed 
but he couldn't move because he was like frozen so kind of like a sleep paralysis sort of deal oh yeah and she would like wrap her little doll hands around his neck and choke him to death i should be laughing i was Can you just just picture it for a minute guys come on it's funny <laughs> just picture little doll hands with no fingers just wrap like puppet hands. yeah <laughs> Oh my god, remember when Angel was a puppet in Buffy? Oh my it's god. Like that. Or no, wait, it was an Angel that he was the puppet, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was Angel. Right? It was funny. I don't One of the I, it was something. Whichever one of those universe things he was it, there was puppets. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, that was his dream. He would wake up screaming. Take that as you will. <laughs> so Lou actually got attacked by Annabelle, according to him. So Donna wasn't home at that time, so it was just Lou and Angie, and they heard something move in Donna's room. Apparently, they were, like, obviously frozen in fear, and they're kind of just like, oh, my God, it's someone robbing us, but, like, you're in an apartment. No one's robbing you unless they're coming through that front door. <laughs> and just saying. So there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Lou decided to check it out and found the doll sitting in the chair in the bedroom, um, but usually the doll is, like, on the bed. So they were like, that's weird. Maybe that's what moved. So he moved towards Annabelle, but got this, like, really creepy, like, spine chilling feeling and then so he like turned around because he thought something was like there and as he turned around his chest started to burn like really really bad oh. and got this horrible pain and when he looked at his chest he found seven scratch marks scratch marks down his chest uh side note like you the other day did we talk about that yet i'll talk about it now i wrote it in the script i was like they went away within a few days and i'm like kind of like mine which is really weird yeah <laughs> so the other day, um, so again, I work in Stuart's office, and my dog does not like this office. She won't go in. She'll go in if we're both in there, but she'll like last like 10 seconds in there, which is really weird. Oh my god, so it's like my basement? Yeah, pretty much. It's, this office is so creepy. So I was in the office, and I was wrapped in my blanket because it's really cold in there, and I got this really, really, really weird burning on my right arm, and it was like right in my elbow. And when I looked at it, it was like a red blotch and I was wrapped in like a really fluffy blanket. So I thought like something just bit me. I was like, whatever. So I took the blanket off, went about my day, did my work. And then later that night I was downstairs on the couch and I happened to look at my arm. I was like, oh, I was like, it was burning. I'm like, I wonder what it looks like. I look at my arm and I have uh, two marks down my arm in my elbow and it wasn't scratches. It looks like scratches, no. but it wasn't. Yeah. It was like raised almost. I don't mm -hmm. know how to describe it. It was all, Emma, I showed my sister and she's like, kind of looks like a burn. Yeah. Which is weird, but it's like the same, um, both scratches are like the same size, like same length. Um, and the next day they were gone. Like completely gone. Like Com you can't even like, there's not even like a shadow that there was a mark there. Yeah. It's just her pasty ass skin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. I'm sorry. But yeah, it was genuinely yeah. really creepy. I was like, yeah. um, get the salt yeah it was creepy and that office is weird and i'm thinking about moving my work computer out of there because no keep like it there it. we got more fucking podcasts to write yeah i got birds hitting my window and now i have scratches on my arm it's great it's fine it's content <laughs> do it for the podcast everything yeah for the podcast <laughs> um so yeah so blue had seven scratches down his chest from annabelle um, they, again, they went away within a couple days and so that's just really weird. So after that incident, cause he literally got attacked, that's when they called in the Warrens. So if you- Oh yes, yes, yes. Yep. So if you're unsure of who the Warrens are, I have talked to them previously, um, 
but they were a husband and wife duo and paranormal investigators. So Ed was a demonologist and like author and Lorraine was a clairvoyant. Um, they founded the New England Society for Psychiatric Research and they've worked on like well over like 10,000 cases, including the Perrin family and the Amityville house, which I did, mm-hmm. which we did talk about. Um, so the Warrens agreed to help and brought along a priest. So they stated that the spirit was actually a demon and it was trying to take possession of Donna's soul. So, so it wasn't this little girl. That's what they're saying. Um, so the medium said it was supposed to be this little girl, but as we do know, demons can take form of little, little True. kids. So. And also, uh, mediums aren't always what they say they are. Yeah. So she could just be talking out of her ass for all they knew. Exactly. And, um, Lorraine was a clairvoyant too. So she kind of knew her shit a little bit if yeah. you believe in that. So that's what they said. They said it was a demon trying to take over Donna's soul. So the Warrens actually ended up taking Annabelle with them and the priest performed a blessing on the apartment. Uh, the Warrens decided, I don't know why they came to this conclusion, but they did. Um, they decided to drive home on like back roads to avoid and like avoid main roads so they wouldn't get into like an accident because they were worried that Annabelle would try and stop them from leaving. Oh. Yeah. And which is what is really weird about this. Um, she tried to, uh, on the way, (laughs) on their way home, the car's power steering failed, the brakes failed and the engine kept stalling. Um, so apparently problems stopped after Ed, like, threw holy water at her. What the fuck? So. <laughs> like, at the car? No, like, just threw it right at Annabelle. They just, like, doused oh. her in holy water and they're like, shut up for a while. And it stopped after that. <laughs> like, when you spray a cat that's misbehaving. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> exactly that. Fuck. You um, can't take anything seriously. You can't. Um, so once they got home, they just sat this doll, or they just sat Annabelle on like in a room on a desk thinking it would be safe don't know why they thought that but apparently like shit got even weirder and annabelle would be seen like hovering and like levitating and move around to different rooms of the house yeah um so they ended up calling a pre like the same priest um to help out and he didn't take it seriously at all and just like tossed the doll across the room and said i quote um god is more powerful than the devil so obviously annabelle took that as like a challenge yeah it's instigation right there right the priest left and as he was driving he got into an accident with a tractor trailer holy shit yeah he survived but he claimed he saw annabelle in his rearview mirror right before the crash oh my god yeah creepy this doll is very a biatch Um, to put it lightly yeah to put it lightly so annabelle is the doll is still around today she's kept in a locked wooden case in the warren's occult museum um however after the rain's death last year the museum had been like oh, permanently I didn't know closed she died? yeah she died last Aww, year rest in peace queen yeah it's really bummer so yeah so she did pass away so it, the museum has been permanently closed i know they like closed it oh, before that. that yeah they closed it before she passed away because they were trying to like relocate it or something like they had a new oh. location but when she passed away they just closed it down it hasn't reopened like yet so haven't heard Aww. anything yeah but um on the case that this doll is locked in there's like a legit warning sign saying warning positively do not open so it's the same sign you see in the movie so that's identical yep. um there's also a terror devil card stuck on the front of it which is weird did you look up the what the meaning of that card is in, in tarot it usually means like you're like like the devil so the card that's on it it's face up so apparently it represents being seduced by material world and um physical pleasures also mm. living in fear domination and bondage being caged by an overabundance of luxury discretion 
and should be used in personal and business matters. So that's a direct quote. So that's, that's not weird. me saying it, but that's a direct quote. Yeah. From Devil Tarot Card Meanings. It's a website. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what we needed. So thank you. What is it? Devil Tarot Meanings.com. Yeah. Well, it's like it's like terrormeanings.com, but it just that, the devil. That sounds almost like uh, like she herself is the devil almost. Like the way it's like talking like talking about like uh, what did it say? Like wealth and stuff. Like yeah. that to me is like the sins and stuff. I, that weird. Yeah. That's creepy. Creepy. So she's locked in this this case. Um so when it was like when the museum was opened, the area that the doll is kept in, that Annabelle is kept in, is routinely blessed by a priest. Oh wow. Um, right so there is a death that is reported with this doll um so according to the warrens a man who visited the museum when it was opened thought it was like a hoax and like was mocking annabelle and like tapping on the glass yeah and he would be like you can't attack me try and scratch me like instigating it pretty much so ed warren actually ended up kicking this guy out of the museum was like get the hell out of here (laughs) (laughs) so him and his girl it was him and his girlfriend that were there um so he, they left and he was on a motorcycle, him and his girlfriend were on the motorcycle. And a few hours later, he lost control of his bike and hit a tree. He died instantly. Oh, wow. She survived, but she was in the hospital for a long time, apparently. But yeah, so that's the only death that's been associated Creepy. with Annabelle. Yeah. So a lot of people claim like the Warrens were just a big hoax and did it for the show. Um, so they claim that the Annabelle story is fabricated from the 1963 Twilight Zone episode called The Living Doll. And this is weird because which this show, The Living Doll, it features a character named Annabelle who oh. buys a haunted doll for her daughter. Oh. Yeah. So almost weird. blatant plagiarism. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that weird? That is weird. That yeah. kind of makes you think a little bit. puts a little bit of doubt into the story. Right? So yeah, that's the origin story of Annabelle. Cool. That one was fun. Yeah. Um, I, I actually want to add, I've done a little bit of reading on this and I do believe that there was other... Um, instances of people like trying to taunt her at the yeah museum and then like their car wouldn't start Mm -hmm. or something like so she's she fucks with everybody that fucks with her (laughs) yeah literally like people would like write like write letters i know they did this with another doll too which i'm not gonna say because i'm going to make his story an episode as well his Uh, oh yeah his gi joe went evil yeah (laughs) (laughs) can you imagine (laughs) um but people would like write like instigate annabelle and then like later would be like writing letters back saying like i'm so sorry like please forgive me yeah yeah i've heard stuff like that too so she's she's a a vengeful little shit she might be Um, locked in a wooden box but if you like piss her off she's gonna find you yeah i mean a wooden box can't hold a spirit in right no like a like especially like a demonic entity yeah you can put as many crosses you want on there and tarot cards as you want i think it's gonna it's not enough protection yo nope but that was fun that was a good one good pick yeah, yours was good too. Thanks. Less creepy. Are you going to be able to sleep tonight? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks uh, for tuning into this week's episode. We hope you like it. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for listening. Australia? Holy yeah, crap. Yeah, what happened last night? I saw that. And India. Yeah. Hi. Hello. Welcome to the spooky hour. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. You are awesome. And we That's love all of you. to us. I feel like I say this all the time, but we're just, like, two loser kids from Ontario, so it's absolutely bananas that, like, people on the other side of the planet are listening to us. Yeah. So, hi. Hello. We like you. But, yeah, do you want to come hang out with us on social media and be our friend and message us and send us comments? <laughs> yeah, because you can do that. We have Instagram. It's a Spooky Hour podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Spooky Hour. 
And you can email us in your crazy ass stories at the spooky hour podcast 666 at gmail.com. Holly was throwing up emo kid signs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, speaking of emo kids, guys, Metro Station put out a new song. <laughs> I am living my best 2017, goddamn, my best 2007 <laughs> life right now. It's everything, and it was so unexpected. There was no announcement. It was just up there. <laughs> yeah, I happened to be like, I wonder what Trey Cyrus is up to, and I like crapped his Instagram. <laughs> Trey Cyrus is up to. Yeah, I, I think to myself often. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's Friday, and I wasn't doing anything, so <laughs> I was just curious. And so he was like, he posted a new Metro Station. I shit myself. That's crazy. Yeah, but yeah, that was the highlight of our week. Yeah. You are the highlight of our week. So go to all of those things that Danielle just said. Come say hi to us. Yeah, come say um, hi you guys have been awesome we say this every week but you guys have been so interactive and it makes our days go by so much faster so thank you yeah and uh yeah keep staying safe do the right thing don't leave your house wash your hands wash your hands and most importantly stay spooky stay spooky